0: Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you this week?
1: I am fantastic, Gary. Um, Nothing to complain about, which is always good. Um, Yeah, life life is in a good, good place. What about yourself? You're back to college soon. Maybe by the time this goes out, you'll be back in placement?
0: Yep, we're already back in college, but officially... We start in the hospital next week, so this week just online and in the university a little bit, but not too much.
1: Are they still hammering that online stuff, lazy bastards? Yep. You hate to see it. Anyway, look, we're not here to talk about how your course decides to structure itself. and um, We're here to talk and um, to start the, I suppose we'll call it podcast series. And to do that, we actually have to lay some kind of groundwork, right? Because I don't want to just get into the series and find, you know, we're three, four, five, 20 episodes in, however long it's going to be. And then realize that we haven't actually started from the start, because this is what often happens with these discussions. You know, people assume you have some sort of baseline knowledge. People assume that you have, you know, a lot of the baseline things in order. And realistically, I have never found that to be the case. And I'm pretty sure you would say the same, Gary. Like you get someone comes to you, even if they say, oh, I've been training for 10 years. You then go in and you do some of the like baseline, like background checks and whatever else. And then you're like, well, you actually, you don't have the, you know, the fundamentals here. And I don't mean just the fundamentals of exercise and while we will get onto them in this series. I mean, like the fundamentals of like, let's actually start from scratch, right? We need to go back all the way, right? And the thing we need to do, To go back all the way is to go back to goal setting, right? Because you can have the most fantastic program in the world. Someone designed up, you know, fantastic three-day, four-day, five-day, whatever uh, program for you. But if it doesn't actually accomplish your goals or you're just not clear on what your goals actually are, It's not actually a good program. It's not actually the perfect program because the perfect program is a program that, well, you enjoy, that you can stick to, that you can adhere to, and that will actually get you the results that you want, right? Like that's, it has to be like that is fundamental to the whole process, right? And this is something that people just kind of gloss over all the time. They never actually sit down and do some like reflective goal setting, right? So, Gary, Talk to me a little bit about goal setting. If someone coming to you and they're like, Look, Gary, you know, I'm thinking about getting into resistance training. They're 16, 17, 18, whatever, right? And they're like, I'm trying to get into some training overall. Let's not even say resistance training. What are the questions you're asking them? Like, where are we starting with them?
0: Yeah. So firstly, I think the important thing to understand is that we don't actually really need a very specific goal for the vast majority of people. You know, the initial things I'm more concerned with are more process-oriented goals. Um, just to give some basic definitions, an outcome goal would be something that is, you know, an objective standard that you want to hit. So for example, I want to be able to squat 100 kilos for 10 reps would be an outcome goal. The process goal w- goals that would lead to that would be things like, being able to squat competently to a satisfactory depth repeatedly at different intensities. So whether it's my one rep max or my 10 rep max, then I'm able to repeat that technique. So you've got your technique down, you know, and then you've got the process goals of maybe squatting twice per week, not missing your lower body sessions, etc. Okay. So all those process goals are eventually building up the outcome goal. And early on in someone's training career, initially what we're concerned with are those process goals because what I want to make sure is that someone is able to execute all the exercises a broad range of exercises with pretty good technique technique that is you know safe repeatable um, and appropriate for for them as an individual and once someone has that down you know so they're they're now able to squat they're now able to do hip hinge variations they're able to do squat variations they've started to develop the skill of lifting that's when we started to focus a little bit more on maybe setting targets as to where our weight progression might be. Because this is something that you can't necessarily uh, lay out as a, a scheme of progression for everyone. Because what I often find myself saying to clients when they sign up is you know, that they actually have a lot more in them than they think. So for example, I could have a client who is actually quite muscular already. You know, it looks like they've been training. They've actually never done any training. And the primary barrier to them being able to squat a lot might be the fact that they just actually don't know how at all. So initially they might be squatting like 40 kilos for reps. And it's just the fact that it's so wobbly and so uncomfortable for them that they're not able to lift more. But for that individual, when I'm able to look at them and say, this is how much muscle mass you have. This is your performance and other activities. I might be saying, you know, you could be upwards of a hundred kilos or more squat within the next six months. That wouldn't be a realistic target for your beginner who's, you know, really low levels of muscle mass, no exercise background, and is just really, really struggling with the load on day one. So that's one of the reasons that I'm not overly keen on having specific outcome goals early on, but rather getting those process goals in place. Um, And that even stands for maybe those beyond the beginner stage as well, because what we often find is that we have to peel people back a bit to see where they're actually at, because what people often say, you know, we ask them, you know, what's your five rep max bench press, for example, or what's your five rep max squat? And the answer you very often get is, oh, you know, I did 180 for five, two years ago, but God, my technique was desperate. When the lads was helping me, I had knee wraps at the time. So you'll often find that people who have even been training for a while, they've never really stuck to a program. They've Their technique is kind of varying at different weights. You know, they'll allow their technique to get quite sloppy with heavy weights. They're always changing their exercises. So although someone may be muscular as you look at them and they may very well be um, strong on certain exercises, they may still benefit from peeling back nailing their technique across the exercises and getting consistent on a specific program. And then the progress kind of unfolds from there. But I suppose all those things that I've mentioned are very much oriented towards the, I guess, strength and muscle building side of the spectrum. And I think that's an an important uh, note because that's not necessarily the goal for everyone either. And that's kind of what we're getting at here when we talk about goal setting is that, very often the types of programs that you end up writing as a trainer are very much dependent on what your own background is. What you'll often see is that someone who is uh, physique focused, maybe they come from the bodybuilding side of the fitness industry, they'll write their programs in a particular way, whether it be a push-pull leg split, or it might have a specific structure where we go from compound exercises to isolation exercises, lower reps at the start, higher reps at the end. There's a general pattern that runs through most um, muscle building programs that you'll see replicated. And that's not necessarily what everyone requires. So if someone is coming in looking for sports performance, for example, they might need to do a five or six day weight training program. If someone's coming in looking to supplement their endurance training with some weight training, again, we're not going to be in the gym lifting weights five or six days a week. So that needs analysis is always the step one, and there's a million different details that you could discuss there with respect to needs analysis. But just understand that when we talk about training, you need to know the purpose of each element of your training. Even just very broadly, you know what's what purpose is your cardio training or endurance training or cardio respiratory training. What purpose is that serving? And then what purpose is the resistance training serving? Because for resistance training, that might be serving as the primary driver of the person's goal if someone's looking to gain muscle or strength, and therefore a lot of time and energy needs to be allocated to that. However, if someone's using that resistance training for endurance training, we might only be doing two days per week, and they might be on days where you know, you're already fatigued from running and therefore you're not necessarily the most prepared, but it's not too much of a big deal because we don't need to perform at our best every every resistance training session. So there are some of the things that would initially come to mind for me that will be running through my head as soon as a new client signs up.
1: Yeah. And this is one of the hardest things to actually navigate both as a coach and as an individual trying to train yourself. Like when we talk about goal setting, everyone kind of has an idea in their head of, oh, this is what goal setting is. And you know i'll just do it at the start it's fine you know it's easy i know what i'm aiming towards but if you actually try to sit down and write out what you're aiming towards right and actually be specific with it it's actually incredibly hard right And i don't mean like again like you said gary we're talking about outcome goals like i don't even mean necessarily like we're sitting down and being excessively specific with oh i want to be 100 kilos and i want to lift x weight and do y or whatever right I just mean, like, what's the broad brushstrokes? What are we actually aiming towards? Like, what's, what's what's your goal here? Are we trying to look at body composition? Are we trying to imp- uh, improve performance in a specific sport? Are we trying to improve, you know, general everyday performance? Are we trying to improve health? Whatever it is, right? Like, what's the broad brushstrokes? What are we actually aiming towards, right? And everyone should have a very, you know, okay idea of what they're aiming towards. One of the things that you will see, however, is that people kind of fall in with crowds right people get into resistance training for example purely because it's the it thing to do on like social media you know people are like oh go to the gym and your friend is like oh you know i want to get into some sort of exercise uh, modality and maybe they have a job that doesn't allow them to do a sport like maybe they don't know they played basketball when they were younger and then they got a nine to five and they couldn't play basketball but they still want to be active so they're like oh well i can go to the gym at any time around my schedule blah 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 right like we actually have to even question that. Like if the goal is actually to play basketball, like we could come up with some sort of strategies to allow you to play basketball, right? It doesn't have to be resistance training. So when we're talking about the fundamentals, it might even be a case of like, we're actually never doing resistance training or we're never doing uh, cardiovascular training or whatever. You know, we've actually taken a step back and we've actually analyzed your goals. And we realized, you know, maybe yeah, resistance training or cardiovascular training or whatever would enhance these other goals, but your actual goal, the thing that you actually care about is, you know, playing sport, you know, or it is health or whatever. And this is really important to know because it can be very easy to lose sight of your goals. And um, especially in this modern age where we all have this kind of a uh, you know paradox of choice going on where everyone wants to have oh I want to be a you know world class runner and I want to be able to you know lift super heavy weights but I also want to look really aesthetically pleasing and I want to do jujitsu as well and I also you know want to occasionally you know travel around the world so I'm not going to have a consistent set schedule and basically people have all of these asterisk goals and while yeah for sure some people can do all of that stuff usually those people are on drugs or they're just extreme outliers as is right So we have to, first of all, set our goals and then be realistic with those goals, right? And again, it doesn't have to be this, you know, oh, my goal is going to be to lift 100 kilos or whatever, like these kind of outcome book goals. We just have to know what we're actually aiming at, right? And this actually does take a little bit of time and a little bit of reflection because you might realize that you've been working away at a goal that you actually do not give a single fuck about right like you might be like well actually i've just been you know resistance training for the last five years because that's what everyone does when in reality you hate resistance training you actually want to get better at running and then you you're just going to resistance training because you know it's what you used to do it's what you did when you were i don't know in college or whatever so you know how to program it you know how to do you know the lifts or whatever and if you were to go into like running you're kind of like i don't really know how to program that stuff You know, I I don't know what to do. Right. So we actually have to be incredibly clear on our goals. Like I remember talking to someone before when I used to work in a gym and every day they'd be like, oh, I'm going to the gym, working out and, you know, chatting to them. They'd be like, oh, my goal is to do MMA. Right. And I'm like, "Okay, well, do you do MMA at all? Like, and they didn't want to be like a pro or anything. They just wanted to, you know, recreationally do MMA. And fair enough, right? And I was like, oh, Are you doing any MMA? And they're like, Oh no, I need to get to a certain weight first, right? Or I need to get to a certain level of fitness first. And I'm looking at them going, and I was said it to them repeatedly. I'm like, Just go to a class, you know. Like, why are you spending all this time trying to gain muscle so that you're in a different weight class? when you've never even practiced your sport, right? You've never even practiced the sport that you actually wanted. And this is because while they had good intentions with their goals, they were like, oh, I want to be, you know, whatever it was, 85 kilos, we'll say, for example. And they're like, oh, that's, I want to be bigger. I want to be fitter, whatever, right? All admiral goals, great, fantastic. And obviously it fit with their schedule. It wasn't their actual goal, right? And obviously I haven't seen them in years. Who knows if they ever got into the MMA, but it is a case of that person wasn't being true to their goal right they weren't actually doing ultimately what they wanted to do and again that's perfectly fine for periods of your life or whatever but if you leave it like that you're always going to be thinking back going oh i should have gone to a class or i should have just gone to an mma class or i should have done whatever right and we don't want that to happen so the only way we can prevent that in 5 10 15 years or whatever it is is if we actually sit down and plan out our goals we actually go okay what am i actually aiming towards And one of the experiments or thought processes you can do to kind of help with this is to be like, right, I actually am going to try to imagine my life in five years time or 10 years time, right? Now, everyone is terrible at this. This is not something that you're going to be like, oh, I got this exactly right. That's not the point. The point is, like, what are you actually aiming towards? What would you be happy to look back on the last five years and go, oh, I've accomplished xyz right for example gary might look back or look to the future and go where would i b- like to be in five years time oh i'd like to have two kids by then i'd like to be married i'd like to you know at least be like a purple belt in jujitsu right i'd like to you know i don't know maybe be five kilos of muscle bigger for whatever it is right And he's like these 20 kilos for gary right Still more are
0: pretty realistic but that <laughs>
1: Uh, You know what I mean? Like he's going, okay, this is the broad brushstrokes. He's not going like, Oh, I'm going to be 4.78 kilos uh, heavier and I'll be happy with exactly that. No, he's going like, this is roughly what I would like to accomplish over in the next five years. And I would feel very accomplished. Right. And, and that's what you need to do. You need to sit down and do that because the time is going to pass regardless of if you actually execute on your goals. Right. So you better off spending some time now. It's, It's, it's painful. Like I've had people and I usually do this, you know, the first, four weeks of uh, a program with someone. I'm like, right, here's a goal setting sheet. Just have a crack at it and we'll see what comes up. And most people, they really, really struggle with that because most people don't plan ahead. Yeah. Okay. In your head, you have enough rough idea of like, Oh, I'd like to be making you know a couple extra bucks per month, or, you know, I'd like to be able to afford a bigger house or whatever. Right. But there's no actual Like, this is roughly what we're aiming towards. It doesn't have to be hyper specific. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to earn 100K per year or whatever. Like, it doesn't have to be anything like that. We're just sitting there going, What are we actually aiming towards? And then we kind of sit there or step back and go, What's the priority list? Like, how do we rank these? You know, for example, again, going through Gary's goal, he might be like, Oh, well, actually, I want to gain five kilos of muscle. That would be fantastic. You know what? I could actually do that in a year right? I can just go on some steroids and I'm fucking jacked, right? But then in his priority list, he go, okay, well, that actually is going to interfere with my ability to have children potentially, right? So for him, the priority list might shift and he might go, you know what, that's actually a lower priority for me. I would actually be happy not getting five kilos of extra muscle as long as I was still able to have the two, three, four, twelve 12 kids or whatever it is in the next five years, you know? So we have to be able to step back and look at that and prioritize because like you can sit there and go, oh yeah, I have 400 goals, right? If you have 400 goals, you have no goals because you're aiming everywhere. Like I'm talking top five max, you know, it's like you have five goals, that's it, right? And we've ranked them in priority. So we can go, oh, this is the biggest priority. If, you know, there's an issue with this or we're spending more time on this, it's taking away from this other higher priority. So we have to, you know, change something. So this is what I'm talking about with goal setting. Most people just never do this because it's hard you know like think of how many people you talk to and go okay well what's your what What are your goals you know tell me the like where you want to be in five years time and people are like, uh, 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 uh. You're like like this is what are you aiming towards you have to have some sort of aim in life and like well obviously we're talking about training here you know like it does help with all areas of your life right to sit take a step back and go what am i aiming towards if i was to continue doing the process processes the daily processes that i'm currently doing where am i likely to be in five years time right and if those daily processes do not align with getting you to the position that you ultimately want to be something needs to change with those daily processes right excuse me and that goes back to discussing the fact that this is really hard to do right because the more important things are the process goals right because that's what you're going to do to actually achieve the goal. However, even with that, you still need to know where you are going, right? Like from a generic standpoint, like if someone has come to us, there's a couple of things that we're looking to achieve over, you know, a 90 day block. We want to have someone that knows how to, you know, execute the training, right? Whether it's resistance training, whether it's running, whether it's whatever, you know, maybe they need to learn how to execute the exercises. Maybe they need to learn how to, I don't know, use or PE or reps in reserve, or, you know, they want, they need to know what intensity level they should be working at with the exercises or whatever. They actually need to know the implementation of training, right? Then another thing on top of that is they need to know roughly, you know, and then we're talking broad strokes here, how to modify that training based on how they feel or what the week is going like for them. You know, maybe really stressful week, sleep was poor, whatever. So they need to know that. But then on a bigger, or a more zoomed out scale, they need to know roughly how to design their training program, right? So it's like, those are the kind of two things we're looking at the training side of things. It's like, do you actually know how to train, right? Whatever, regardless of the modalities you're using, resistance training, cardio, blah, 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 right? And then do you know how to effectively program that so that you can modify it based on your goals right and it's the same kind of thing with the nutrition it's like do we actually know how to eat on a day-to-day basis you know like do you know how to get a protein source do you know how what like carbs are the actual implementation stuff right and then we need to know how to you know effectively program that you know it's like oh how do we diet how do we lose weight how do we maintain how do we gain like all of those different skills we'll call it nutritional programming or periodization whatever you want to call it we want to teach you that right that's very generic they're somewhat like Yeah, their outcome goals in terms of like there's four outcomes we want to achieve there, but they're more so like processes. It's like, okay, well, we want to, you know, execute training. We want to be able to do it. We want to know how to, you know, program around that. And then we also want to do the same with the with the diet, right? And we could just go, okay, well, everyone needs to know that. That's a kind of a a higher level or a a meta-level, you know goal it's like you need to know what to do and that's one of the so one of the things that we do with our our coaching practice or our our, our coaching service i like we're kind of teaching that however in doing that we have to make that specific to you right it's irrelevant if you know how to program resistance training if you never intend to do resistance training you're like no actually that's not my goal i like i could not care less about that right it's relevant then so we need to know how to actually execute i don't know maybe you want to go swimming or something it's like do you actually know are you working with a coach that's teaching you how to swim you know are you actually in the pool are you getting better at the execution of actually swimming right and do you know how to program that and then support that nutritionally etc right so we have to have that goal like we have to have that aim that overall or overarching guiding like this is what we're aiming towards and these are all the process goals or all the little tiny outcome goals that we want in aiming towards that and again as i said this is incredibly hard to do yes it is fantastic gary do you have anything else to say on goal setting because like we could literally sit here all day and talk about yeah
0: i mean that's that's it's almost a podcast in itself really the goal setting side of things not necessarily what we want to cover in, in all of this podcast but uh, yeah, there, there there are some some more things that, that are you know tangential to goal setting that are important here, and that would be you know I guess having a basic understanding of, of why we would do resistance training and why we would do cardio training. Okay, so um, obviously three,
1: these these are the things that people ask about, right? Resistance yeah. training, cardiovascular training, and we'll call it mobility and flexibility yeah. training, right? So we want to know, as we were saying, like one of the goals of you know our coaching and one of the you know broad brushstroke goals is. You want to know how to execute a training program, and you want to know how to design a training program, right? So this kind of covers both of those. Like, why are we doing resistance training? Why are we doing cardio training? And why are we doing mobility training? And then we can start looking at the, like, what the specifics of that. Then we can look at, like, how much, you know, are we going to do of each of these different things? And again, we should obviously know the why behind that as well.
0: Yeah. And that why question, again, it, it all starts with the goal setting. So like I've already kind of mentioned that, but when it comes to resistance training, obviously one of the primary reasons one would engage in resistance training is to get stronger. Okay. Now what that means is is different to different people for the general population. Getting stronger doesn't mean squat bench deadlift one rep max. Okay. All we're talking about is that we're increasing our force production generally relevant to, relative to specific tasks. So when we're training in the gym and we're doing lots of bench pressing, we get stronger at tasks that are similar to bench press. The closer it is to bench press, the more that strength is going to be specific. The further you get away from that, the less of a the carryover there's going to be. That's a very simple pr- principle of resistance training. So that's something that's that may seem obvious and may seem simple, but it's actually quite important because what you'll see is that very, a lot of people will have goals related to resistance training that are not reflected in their programming. So for example, their stated goal might be, I want to develop as much uh, you know, upper body strength, especially my chest and shoulders as possible, but they're only training chest and shoulders once per week. And they're training back, arms, legs, all the other days, doing loads of cardio, which is fine. We're all for being well-rounded, but not if that's your stated explicit reason for training. Okay. So you need to have that reflected within your programming. Um,
1: it's like going, I'm a powerlifter. I want to get good yeah. at powerlifting and you're doing, you know, five days per week of marathon training. It's like, look, we're not specific here. We're not, we haven't designed our program with your goals in mind.
0: Yes. So, so that, that strength, um, strength element is I guess a performance quality and um, That is, again, specific to the the situation, but it carries over as well to different activities. So, for example, if you're a runner, you might want to develop your strength because, you know, it'll improve the qualities of your tendons and ligaments and your bone mineral density um, and your muscles for, you know, when you're running up hills that you'll have a little bit more endurance because you're used to higher forces etc cetera, etc cetera. okay so there's there's different um ways that you could break down strength when talking about specific tissues so tendon strength or ligament strength or bone strength or muscle strength etc okay but all all of those come back to the ability to produce or absorb force effectively um muscle you know, I always is kind
1: of quantify them like look resistance training is just improving your body's ability to handle load right and it's like that is either you know to be able to push it away or what, pull it towards you or whatever or like you said it's like it's actually you know you're running uphill it's like oh your body can actually handle these forces that you're you're putting it under
0: yeah and you can, and you can kind of sub subcategorize strength as well into to different sub components um for example high velocity versus low velocity strength you know if you're uh, javelin thrower or some other activity that's very explosive, you know, sprinting, you might want to do more high velocity strength work. So that just means that you're moving lighter weights at higher velocities so that you're training those patterns a little bit more specifically. Whereas if you're a rugby player who is getting stuck into the scrum, you're using more low velocity strength in those contexts. And as a result, you might do more work closer to one rep max where bar speed is a little bit lower. So you can obviously break that down further. Um, people will use the term power a lot. Generally what they mean is high velocity strength. Um, and then resistance training also has some subcomponents like plyometrics, for example, um, that's technically resistance training as well. So the overall point there, just to introduce it is that You're developing strength. There's many different subcomponents there. And then one of the big trade or big uh, side effects or byproducts of that strength training process, depending on the program, is muscle building. Okay. So, muscle building or hypertrophy is not necessarily a specific component of fitness. You know, you're not, there's not one way of training for it. It's effectively a side effect of the training process. So, um, if, if you're doing a, a program that's oriented towards strength, even if it's like high velocity strength or power-based, you'll still build some muscle, okay? It doesn't have to-,
1: just, just to... Also interject there. Like when we say strength, like people oftentimes think it's oh, they're they're talking about the one to five rep range. When you're mm-hmm. talking about strength, like we're talking about strength across the spectrum. You know, it's like I'm talking about strength from your one rep max all the way to your fucking hundred rep max. You know, it's all mm-hmm. strength. Well, obviously in the health and fitness world these days, people think of strength and go, you know, oh, it's you know, we're talking about triples here or singles or doubles. That's not necessarily the case.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you do sets of a hundred. They might be called sets for muscle endurance, but effectively what that is, is the ability to continue expressing strength as you fatigue, you know, at a given percentage. Um, so those adaptations are always going to be uh, specific to wherever you're at on that rep spectrum, that times under tension spectrum um but also uh, going to be general as well to some degree okay and and hypertrophy as i say is is effectively the byproduct of that process and you know we know that there are certain training principles that lead to more hypertrophy so if your program you know generally has um, more sets, uh, more reps overall, you know, you're doing maybe like six to 15 reps. Most of the time you're doing lots of sets and you're, you know, control tempo control, uh, focused more internally, I guess, on making the exercise hard for your muscles rather than making it as easy as possible. All those things are generally going to lead to an increase in the stimulus for hypertrophy. So it's something that is very often, um, a goal that you would run that you might have in parallel to something else. So, very often people say, I want to get stronger and bigger. You know, that's what people often say bigger and stronger. Or, I want to get stronger and I want to, you know, be more muscular. That's what people would typically say. And those things go hand in hand a lot of the time. For some people, they might not actually want that. So what a lot of people want, uh, athletes in particular, is that they might want to improve their relative strength okay so for example they maybe they're an mma fighter who's already you know basically at, at the, the limit of their weight class um and they don't want to go up so they might want to just improve their strength but not necessarily gain muscle very often as well you know as uh, soccer players ga players who feel like you know i am really happy at the weight i'm at i I'm, i feel light on my feet here i'm really i'm solid for my position still but I want to get stronger. Just don't really want to add, add weight to my body. Those, uh, types of goals can be trained for by adopting more of the, the strength oriented training. Maybe you are, um, using lower repetition ranges. Maybe you have some high velocity strength in there. You're taking those strength components of fitness that I mentioned, and you're breaking them down and really specifying what you're aiming at without looking for that byproduct of hypertrophy. And obviously that's driven by nutrition too. Um, so they are some of the kind of the big the big players when it comes to resistance training. Just to mention it, because we I know I know I'm going to move on to discussing mobility as well. Like mobility is also something that comes as a result of resistance training because mobility, like the actual definition of mobility, is effectively just the ability to move. Okay, so um, that's, that's quite simple. But the way people understand it, obviously, is uh, or the way it's used colloquially, is mobility in terms of being able to move through large joint ranges of motion okay so effectively flexibility, but typically being able to control it actively is, is what how people would refer to it as um, so mobility and flexibility are also going to be trained when you're doing resistance training. This is especially the case when you're training through large ranges of motion. okay so if you're going, down in a squat, you're getting a deep stretch in your quads at the bottom. If you're coming down on a bench press, you're getting a stretch in your chest. It doesn't mean you always have to go as low as possible. But there's certainly a a very significant stimulus for gaining or maintaining joint range of motion, especially if it's something that's limited. And that's an important point here, because the only reason you'd really have that as a stated goal is if there's a limitation. And for most people who are maybe are lacking in mobility, sorry if you if you can hear the bins outside as well. There's a bin truck. Um, for most people who are lacking in mobility or, or who would have that goal, they might be saying, you know, I've always been stiff in my hamstrings. So they're going to notice a, a key benefit from doing things like Romanian deadlifts or stiff-legged deadlifts without it having to be exaggerated too much. Now, there's obviously certain populations like um, certain martial arts, um, dancing, etc where you may need more extreme ranges of motion. And therefore that may require more specific programming with your resistance training, whether it be, you know, Jefferson curls or, you know, weighted box splits or something like that. But that's not most people. It's really not most people. Um, So stretching, you know, unloaded stretching even, that's still somewhere on that resistance training spectrum. Because what are you doing when you do a stretch? You know, when you grab your toes and do a hamstring stretch and pull yourself, you're applying resistance that's exactly what you're doing you're pulling yourself um, into that uh, lengthened range of those respective muscles that you're stretching so you're applying a stretch you're applying force
1: it's like try to think of how you would stretch your hamstring in a pool you know it's like there's less weight there's less gravity or whatever you want to call it because you're you're in water right it's like how would you actually do that well oh you have to actually put some force on this like maybe you're grabbing your foot and maybe you're pushing your knee down or something so you're like oh there are actually significant forces involved here therefore i have to have strength in this position
0: yes exactly and um so stretching is somewhere on that that spectrum as well when it comes to mobility training And um, we generally consider it to be a lower priority component of fitness for most of our clients because most people um don't need specific, you know, stretching routines that they need to follow or specific mobility routines that they need to follow. There are sp- some specific cases where if people are doing, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Taekwondo, you know, ballet, etc., where they may need some uh, quite a bit of of supplementary mobility work, especially if they're not able to perform the specific um moves or sequences that are required, okay? So that's that's sport specific, but that's not most people. So for the vast majority of the time, we consider resistance training to take care of one's mobility needs. And if we identify specific areas where someone has a deficit, we might, you know, zoom in on that a little bit more. Do you feel that summarizes the resistance training and and mobility, I guess,
1: component? 100%. And just on that mobility aspect, like, again, like you said, for the vast majority of people, it's just it's not useless per se, but it's just not the most effective use of your time, right? Like, as you said, you might use some targeted mobility, stretching work, whatever, for example, you might be doing squats and you might be like, oh, like my adductors are a little bit, you know, tighter than I would like them to be. And while, yeah, they will stretch out naturally just by getting better at squatting, like you might want to do some the. adductor stretching you know going into that session or before that session or after that stretch session or whatever right same with calves for example like maybe you do a lot of running and you also want to improve your squat you're like oh my calves feel a little bit tighter and um, like maybe you want to you know do some calf stretching and we could also argue that maybe you just want to do some like anterior tib uh, strengthening to you know potentially get the same benefit but i digress And um, so that is important to know that like for the vast majority of people you do not need to be spending 20 40 50 minutes doing a mobility session before you actually even get into your session because people actually do that you know and it's like what are you actually accomplishing versus just doing the exercises you want to be able to do right and then slowly improving your range over time right um but also just on the resistance training component like there are all There are also uh we'll call them side benefits that you might not initially be thinking about. For example, like we talked about muscle building, like you might not be thinking about it for longer term. You might be just going, like, oh, I want to look aesthetically pleasing. I want to be able to take my top off on the beach and you know feel good about myself, right? Like you might be thinking that, but also like we have to think like when we're older, we want to have a bit of a muscle reserve, you know, we want to basically stave off uh, sarcopenia for as long as possible like I don't want to be able, I don't want to be the person that's like oh, I literally cannot you know get up out of my seat because I have no muscle mass I have no strength right so strength and muscle mass there are going to be beneficial when you are older and the same also goes for like resistance training like why would we be doing resistance training in particular? Well, first of all, it's great for building strength. It's great for building that muscle. So from the sarcopenia aspect, it's like, yeah, this is a really good medical intervention, if you will, right? But then also on that, it's like, especially more relevant for women as well. It's like, this is also potentially helping with osteoporosis risk later in life, right? Like, so we want to be able to lay the foundation now so that when we are older, we're still in good health. And this is something that, you know, nobody really likes to talk about in society. Like if you had someone that was like, Oh, yeah, I slipped and fractured my hip. You're not going to say to them, be like, oh, well, you should have been doing fucking 20 rep sets of squats when you were younger you know, like, it's, it's not helpful, right? However, because it's not helpful for that population, the message kind of just gets lost, it never gets discussed, right? Whereas we should be going, at, you know, 20, 30, 40 year olds, who should be saying to them, now, it's like, now is the time to be building that bone mineral density. And obviously, the earlier, the better, you know, I, I'm saying like 20 to 40 year olds, like the older you are, you might just be maintaining what you've already built. However, that's still better than doing nothing at all, right? Going like, oh, well, I'm not gonna be able to remineralize this bone. Like that might be the case as you get older. However, we can still do a lot by resistance training. So that is one thing to uh, keep in mind that, well, yeah, obviously there are body composition and performance outcomes from resistance training. There are also health outcomes and that's not even touching on like the actual act of exercise in itself itself, even helping with stuff like a uh, blood sugar control or, you know, in metabolic health in general. So there are multiple reasons. Resistance training is fantastic for this stuff. The way I always look at it, and maybe this is because, you know, I like biochemistry, but in your body, there is a store for the fats that you eat. I mean, it's your body fat, right? And that's not not perfectly linear in terms of, it's not like, oh, I eat fat and it gets stored as body fat, but you get the idea. You can store fats on your body, right? Same with carbohydrates. You can store carbohydrates as glycogen in your muscles, in your liver, et cetera, right? With protein, with like amino acids, the only real store for amino acids is either your organs or your muscles, right? So you want to have a fully stocked store. You want to have everything. So you want to build up your muscles for later in life for, you know, those dark days so to speak right when starvation sets in right and so it is important from a health aspect
0: check yes and i mean to be fair like we could literally talk all day about all the different benefits of resistance training because like like when, when you look at um Like Even when you talk about drugs, for example, like...
1: Which drugs? With The good ones or...?
0: The good ones, man. You know, well, the good ones and the bad ones. Like whether it be, I don't know, statins or testosterone or any common drug that you would think of. Like what you have to realize is that although it may be the case that there's a stated, you know, benefit or target of that drug, you know, statins, HMG, CoA reductase, you know, they'll say that that's the target of the drug. There's very often many, many things that that drug might either fully bind to or slight, partially bind to, or might have an effect on um, this protein, which then modifies something else. And like b- biology is just so incredibly complex. And this absolutely applies to exercise where you can look at all the different benefits um, at the level of you know, specific tissues and then at the level of you know, specific cells or the immune system, and then the subcellular level down to you know histone modification, all this sort of stuff and it just doesn't help anyone for us to go through all that other than making us look smart which we don't need at this stage in our lives we're too old <laughs> um, so just recognize that look like weight training when you when you look at all the the stuff that goes on under the hood is incredibly incredibly beneficial um so if you're looking to just improve your health which so many people say but they don't necessarily mean it a lot of the time <laughs> like they say oh i want to be healthy but really they just want to I don't know, um, you know, look healthy or just feel really energetic, which is a good thing, of course. But yeah, there's a lot going on under the hood that is absolutely beneficial. So that's it. Cardio.
1: Cardiovascular training, Gary. Why would we implement some sort of cardiovascular conditioning into our program?
0: Um, Firstly, because cardio, from my perspective, is very underrated for its uh, effects on improving your Kind of general perceived well being and, and like levels of energy. Like I find it to be really really helpful. Like I, even personally, like I I do a lot of exercise. I've always for the last ten years or whatever been training fairly consistently in some way. But it's really when I'm at my fittest from a cardiovascular perspective and I'm doing a lot of cardio every week that I just feel my best, feel my sharpest. Even when I'm at a heavier body weight, like right now. I'm, I'm actually the heaviest I've ever been which is really weird because I'm definitely
1: 130
0: yeah 130 kilos <laughs> I'm definitely not the fattest I've ever been which is great um but at this weight I've been this weight before but I've never been anywhere near as fit as I am from a cardiovascular perspective at this weight and it makes such a difference like I just don't notice that I' have any extra weight like I've gained 10 kilos this year and normally what would happen is if I was at an, in an extended gaining phase like that, is it just notice it a little bit more if I was, you know, I don't know, going for a walk or doing lots of stairs, or I was going hiking or something like that. You just noticed a bit of extra weight. And like right now, it's just not the case. So that's my personal anecdote. But it's also something that I see with a lot of my clients where as we begin to introduce some more cardio, especially with my clients who come from a weight training back, background, as we build up their fitness, they really notice it in their everyday life, which is something that, you know, it may seem Kind of obvious, but I think it's one of those things that is obvious to it's obvious to the person on the street. It's almost like a bell curve, you know. It's obvious to the person on the street, but then your average personal trainer maybe doesn't appreciate it as much because um, they're just doing weight training a lot of the time. But then it's the person that goes past that stage and starts getting fit again that they actually realize it as well.
1: Um, it is actually really counterintuitive. Like you think of it as like, oh, I'm actually going to spend energy. Or I'm going yeah. to exert energy. And in return, I'm going to feel more energetic. like it's counterintuitive it doesn't really make sense. obviously again when we get down to like the actual adaptations that occur you know even like the vascularization see a better blood flow the increased like you know lung capacity whatever like there's all these other you know whole host of benefits but even then to like a, a mitochondrial level like you're actually getting mitochondrial biogenesis meaning that you're actually growing effectively more mitochondria and as everyone knows mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell um, like you therefore have more powerhouses right so of course you're going to feel more energetic that's that's what we want we've built these powerhouses um, as a result of the cardiovascular conditioning that we are doing and um, so it makes sense but it is kind of counterintuitive
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and and with that said Of course, there's a limit to that. If you're doing 35 hours of running a week, (laughs) you're not going to be very energetic. And and anytime I've done like really intensive cardio for long periods of time, like you definitely do get super fatigued from it. And if you do an assault bike session in the morning, you 10 rounds of 20 calories or something like that, you're not going to be energetic after that. Okay. So (laughs) there's absolutely a limit, but in general, getting fitter,
1: those things as well. Like it's like a, anything, recovery is a, an energy intensive process. So yeah. in the actual recovery phase, like when you're, you're still actively recovering, you're, you're going to feel like you have less energy. It's only once you are recovered, like I say, and I'm sure you do as well, I say to your clients all the time, it's like fatigue masks fitness. You know, it's like, we're not going to be able to realize our ultimate potential while we are fatigued, you know, while we are still recovering from all this exercise. So we want to, you know, strip things back so that when we actually want to exhibit our, you know, fitness, we don't want to be recovering. We want to be recovered.
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. And of course, of course, of course, it goes beyond just feeling good as well. Okay. So cardiovascular training um, is very potent at multiple different levels. Again, Patty said down to um, the mitochondrial level and subcellular level. Generally, there's loads of benefits. Okay. But the things that people are generally thinking about would be, for example, um, increases in, in VO two max. Okay. Which would be quality of your aerobic fitness. Um, you get benefits to, uh, your heart in terms of the specific adaptations within the, the heart and the heart muscle and the coordination of that by the nervous system within your vasculature. So your blood vessels, um, reg- reductions in blood pressure, etc., etc. all of these things along that chain of the cardiorespiratory system are going to be improved when you are um, doing more of this cardiovascular exercise. So it's, it's very, very beneficial from a long-term health perspective. Um, And, you know, all of us are going to get to the point where we have accumulating risk factors for cardiovascular disease, Um, because one of them is being male. Sorry, I can't change that. Another one is you know, age, obviously, and none of us are going to change that either. So regardless of your LDL, regardless of your blood pressure now, or whatever other risk factors you might have in mind, we still accumulate some risk over time. And as a result, everything that you have in your favor is a good thing. And one of the nice things about fitness as well is that, when you have more of it, you've got more of a reserve, kind of like Patty said about the muscle mass previously, you know? So if you were God forbid to have a heart attack at some point in your life, in your fifties, let's say you're going to bounce back a lot better from that. If you've already got um, a lot of those cardiovascular adaptations earlier on in life. And you also see things like, for example, when people do have heart attacks, if they already had trained their heart to be able to deal with um, that stress that they deal with it a little bit better. Okay. And um, so putting all that together, obviously, reductions in cardiovascular disease risk reductions in basically every other disease risk as well. Um, and then obviously, there's the performance element on top of that, where you're going to be able to do things for longer and do them faster as well, probably, you know, that's effectively how you summarize uh, cardiovascular training. And that, of course, Is a spectrum, if you're doing shorter, sharper bursts, you're going to be uh, developing more of those, um, anaerobic or high output, um, qualities. Whereas if you're doing the longer endurance stuff, you're going to be more likely to, um, obviously to be, be developing your ability to endure more aerobically. So, um, again, the, the specifics of that training Will again come back to your goals. So, if you're a runner, you'll be doing more running. Obviously, if you're a general trainee, just looking to develop general aerobic fitness, you can do whatever. It literally doesn't matter. You know, you could be doing a roar one day, you could do some ski erg, you could do a biker, you could do um, the assault bike, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're ultimately looking for general adaptations in that those cases, as opposed to specific adaptations.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those things where, again, it comes back to your goals. What are we actually trying to achieve? but just as a very generic, like starting point, like you have, you know, a number of energy systems and cardiovascular training allows you to target each of those energy systems to some extent or another. Right. So if we are looking to be fitter, whether that's fitter across a 10 second mark, you know, maybe you're a power lifter and you want to be fit for, I don't know, fucking three seconds. And you're like, okay, well, obviously I need to be able to exhibit strength in those you know three seconds. that it takes you to do the lift and, but you want to enhance that energy system as much as you can. And you also want to be able to recover that energy system as much as you can. Right. So from the energy systems level, it makes sense to do cardiovascular training. Obviously the specifics are d- dictated by your actual goals. And, um, but then also from like the actual, like what people think of the cardiovascular stuff, it makes sense. Like you're training your heart, you're training your lungs, you're training your vascular system. It's like, I think everyone intuitively understands that they're all important to you actually living. (laughs) You know, I think everyone understands that breathing and pumping blood around your body are, you know, two fundamental things of a living human, right? So if we can get better at those two things, Well, quite frankly, we can get better at being a human, right? And as I said, like, you might think of that as just, oh, that's just, you know, whatever. He's just saying better at being a human. But think about it. If you are tired, you're rarely at your best, right? If you're tired, cranky, whatever, you're not going to be at your best. If you're not tired because you're fitter, you're going to be able to show up at a much better position. And this is for everything in your life. I'm talking about relationship with friends, family, significant other, whatever, right? Like, if you're not absolutely knackered all the time you're going to turn up in a much better position right um so a cardiovascular training just makes sense obviously the specifics of it that's where the you know the actual implementation and the details really start to matter right which is what we'll be getting onto in future episodes but for now i think we're we'll going kind to of wrap it up there because i think that kind of gives everyone a good understanding of you know the start of thinking about training program design or training in general and and ideally by the end of this podcast series that we're going to do you should have a pretty damn good idea of how to start from the start and then go all the way through to actually designing a training program and being able to modify that as needed you know um but gary do you have anything to say to wrap this up and if not do you want to just wrap it up
0: yeah, I'm happy to wrap this up. You know, we'll be talking a lot more about training over the next few weeks, and at the end of this podcast series, much like the fat loss series, you will have effectively a complete understanding of training to the to the a standard that we would consider a competent personal trainer. Um, to require you know that's effectively the the purpose here. like we're trying to take you know general trainees that are listening to this, not necessarily just trainers and bring you up to that level. You don't need to remember everything. Some of you will get more benefit from some episodes than others, but listen to the whole thing and that's effectively what we will be delivering over the next probably two months or so, I guess, if not more. So um, yeah, look, that's uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned, guys, if you're enjoying it. And if you'd like to follow on with our content more generally, you can follow us on Instagram. So, uh, triage method, you can follow myself, skinny Gaz, Patty, the real Patty Farrell and the rest of our coaching team as well. Um, as the coaching team expands, I'm not going to keep saying the names every single time because eventually we gonna have like 60 coaches and it's not very practical. So, um, follow us all, you know, if you, if you want to know who's, you know, on the triage team, you want to be, you know, following each of us. All you do is you go to the triage method, Instagram, look at who we're following and then hit follow on all those people. Cause they're the members of our team. So, um, if between all of us if you're following all of us and following along with all the content you're going to have a lot of content to consume on the gram so stay tuned uh, if you'd like to work with us of course skip over the social media stuff you don't have time for that you just want the guidance you want to be put in the path and achieve your goals we do have coaching spaces available so if you'd like to work with us do get in touch If you're a coach yourself and you want to improve your education, we have the Coach's Corner, which is our member site. So you can subscribe to that to enhance your education. If you want to keep up with us. Otherwise, we do have a newsletter that goes out. The September one is gone, I'm afraid. So you missed that. However, you can subscribe and uh, get the next month's edition along with all subsequent months um, at the description box below. And other than that, the podcast, if you enjoy it, you're enjoying these episodes, you know, you, you want people to know about this training series and follow along, please do share it, you know, share it in your story, share it with a friend privately, let your friends know about it in person, um, or leave a rating or review if that's an option on your podcast platform. That would be much appreciated from us all.
1: Fantastic, Gary. Anyway, I have nothing else to say, so we'll see you in the next one.